This is Cinematic Suffering, where we watch every horror movie streaming on Netflix, from A to Z, for better or worse. Life is pain, and so are bad horror movies. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Cinematic Suffering. This is episode 6, where we talk about the Netflix streaming horror movie, Six Souls. That's right. I am Jason. I'm Clay. And uh, Clay, uh, what are we about? What is this? What is this stupid podcast about? This stupid podcast is we are alphabetically running down the horror movies in Netflix streaming A through Z. And come what may, whether we want to see it or not, whether uh, we've seen it or not, we're going to rewatch it and we're going to analyze it and review it. Yeah. So six episodes in. And how do you think you, you how are you holding up? I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I haven't. Um, you know, like I've hated the movies a lot less than I thought I would, which has been kind of fun. This is uh, it's been a reason for me to get back into watching movies and horror movies in general. So I've, I've been enjoying it. How yeah, about you? Yeah, I have to agree. I, I thought I'd hate some of these movies. Of course, we're only six in. That's not a lot, but it has been six weeks continuous of watching these things. Yeah, it's the first five minutes of a triathlon. Okay, so uh, the movie we watched today was Six Souls. Uh, Six Souls has, geez, I think you have the information, actually. Yeah, it uh, was written by Michael Conoy. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce his name, so sorry if uh, in advance. It's directed by Bjorn Stein and Mons Moreland. And the movie stars Julianne Moore, Jonathan Rise Myers, Jeffrey DeMunn, Francis Conroy, Brooklyn Prowks and Nate Corduroy. 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 Yeah, that sounds right. Nate Corduroy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so this was a movie that had some pretty big names, and I think some of our first big names, other than maybe forty-seven meters down. But I don't know if you want to consider Mandy Moore a. <laughs> well, never, yeah, never diminish the star power of Matthew Modine. You really <laughs> you drove that feature home. Now, this one does have, uh, you know, a pretty good group of, of stalwart Hollywood, uh, you know, people that you've recognized. And some, there's some actual actors in this feature. Yes, and yet another Weinstein feature that uh, yes. came out in 2010, apparently. Yeah, which, you know, I guess we just have to kind of be comfortable with the fact that we're going to see his name everywhere on everything. He His his goo-encrusted fingers <laughs> are all over Hollywood. And I think that he's kind of indicative of Hollywood more than the outlier. I think that he's just the sacrificial calf that the uh, Babylon of Hollywood has decided to offer up as a sacrificial heifer. Yeah, I, I think we, we might be off track here, but I just want to mention that there is a Hollywood there's a book called Hollywood Babylon that goes oh, yes. that goes back to the 1920 you know pretty much the beginning the birth of the film industry and this shit was going on back then it's always been going on it's just kind of been really exposed now and I'm glad it has been because a lot of that, I am too I mean a lot of but you know anyways we're kind of off track but that's okay we need to we need to get that off our chest because every time I see Weinstein's name I, I just get the creepy crawlies yeah I mean we're we are much like a lot of other, uh, you know, podcasters. I would assume looking at this from the outside, so you can kind of uh, examine the whole movie industry with a certain amount of admiration and derision. So that's kind of how I'm coming to it. Okay, so Six Souls. We have a, a movie that I, at first, when I when I started watching it and I saw the kind of rundown on the theatrical trailer, I thought it was going to be more of a kind of a psychological thriller in the in the vein of Identity or 
what's another oh like primal fear if you remember that old movie from the 90s yeah yeah like it's it's the um the trailers right off the bat kind of show you that it's uh the first thing that you learn about is that it's going to be a split personality kind of thing and julianne moore plays the psychologist which is pretty familiar territory for her and uh so yeah we're dealing with uh, a split personality deal so for whatever that comes with that's the first thing you learn from from watching the trailer Right, and as we start the movie, we see that uh, Julianne Moore's character is Dr. Kara Harding, and she is kind of a skeptic psychologist or psychiatrist that doesn't believe in multiple personality multiple personalities. She believes that it's not a it's not a mental health issue; it's just people kind of faking it. Yeah, she right from the uh, outset she. Puts a, she draws a line in the sand, like, no, I'm a skeptic when it comes to split personalities. That doesn't exist. There's just people know what they're doing, and uh, the I, 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 they don't even do they don't do a real good job explaining what her stance on that is. You just know that she's a skeptic and she doesn't believe in it. Yeah, and at the beginning we see like uh, she's before I'm assuming what is like an uh, appeal committee before the governor of whatever state she's in, because uh, there's someone on death row that. Uh, I guess has put in a last minute appeal for his stay of execution. And she's kind of an expert there saying, no, he's not a, he's not mentally deficient. He knows everything that he did. He killed whatever little girl and he deserves to die pretty much. That, yeah, that was her stance. Now her character, Julianne Moore's character's name, the psychologist, is it, uh, I had it down as Jessup. What's her, so what did you have for her character's name? So uh, I don't want to be, it's going to be confusing enough with all the oh. split personalities and, and the, the, the plot interweaving itself. I, I want to make sure I get her name right. I had it down as Dr. Jessup. Uh, no, uh, it, it was Harding. Dr. Kara, Harding? Yeah, Dr. Kara Harding. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. looking at IMDb right now, too. So. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. Dr. Kara Harding. Yeah. All but, right. But you're right. Yeah, it's going to get a little confusing as we continue down the road here because the multiple names for the same character pretty much. Yes, the the lead character, the lead bad guy. We'll get into it, but as as Jason stated, it starts off with uh, Julianne Moore's character uh, talking to this very official looking group of people about this dude that's about to get the juice put to him. Yeah, and I, I I'm not really sure in her capacity because after that, you, she she goes to the bar, has a couple of shots. She sees on television that the that the murderer gets executed, and I'm not really sure what her capacity is as her. She has a daughter who's being watched by her brother, which is a continual thing throughout the movie. But her dad calls her, or her, I guess her dad is a psychiatrist as well, and has brought up a new mental case for her to look at. It, it, it's not clear on what he does or what she does, per se. It just sounds like, oh, I've got a new case for you. And is this a I took it to mean that dad is also a psychologist he might be some I, he might have gone into a different branch but you get the idea that dad is some kind of clinical psychologist and so is uh, dr harding is that yeah i don't know why i had jessup down <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm looking on IMDb. i don't see jessup on anything <laughs> i had it written down multiple times i probably misheard it once and then my notes were kind of uh <laughs> fruit from a, <laughs> uh from a, a a poisonous tree from then on out but um <laughs> 
which I thought was an interesting name because religion just come into it. I was like, oh, Jessup, it's one letter away from Jesus. It's like, no, you just got your notes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and there is there is a, a correlation between having faith in this movie and uh, having a belief in science solving all the world's problems. It, it harkens back to even, I we even bring up 1920 here again, where it had yes. that kind of religious versus science uh, aspect to it. It seems to be a running motif in a lot of, of horror movies. I A couple points in this movie, I was rolling my eyes hard enough to need LASIK by the end of it or some kind of, <laughs> some kind of surgery on the connective tissue on the old peepers. Yeah, so this movie did have its flaws, but I will say the acting was excellent. The... It was, yeah, you can't, uh, you, it, it's hard to find fault with any of the actors in there. The actors, the cinematography, the music. Uh, visually and professionally, all the things that that you would notice being wrong with a movie, as far as technically, were fine. They th- those were all done well, in my estimation. Yeah, my I humble totally, estimation. I totally agree with that. Yeah, it was it was well filmed, well acted. And Julianne Moore is is you know of course a veteran actor, and uh, Jonathan Rhys Myers is a very kind of established actor as well. He he was he's I think he might be most famous for playing. Henry VIII and the Tudors series that was on. HBO. Yes, he was fantastic in that. Everybody in this is good. And every, everyone, if you watch movies even a little bit, is going to be someone you recognize. They do fine with what they're given. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's about the best I can say on that. But um, uh, what's uh, what, so where are we at in the plot here? So we got crotchety old man, uh, fellow psychologist that tells Julianne Moore's character, "I want you to meet this guy," and he seems real excited about his daughter meeting this this guy and right off the bat a couple things bug me like no one seems to be to care all that much about joseph dunkirk that's the character that they just injected poison into we see julianne moore's character drinking in the bar but she doesn't seem to be upset by his passing i don't know that she should be the guy's established to be a, a, a raping murderer so good good riddance but I, I, it bugged me throughout the film whether she's a drunk or whether she was just having a drink. I guess she was just having a drink because it, they never come back to it aside from her brother making mention that, oh, I'm sure you're at the bar getting shit-faced or some kind of <laughs> some kind of comment like that. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was uh, I, I thought it was going to be a, a running theme throughout the movie as well, but no, we, we don't really don't visit her chucking down shots anymore. It's just kind of like a one-off scene where she just watches the news on Dunkirk's execution. Yes, and and very in short order, her dad wants her to meet the next. Uh, <laughs> the next. Yeah, I always thought of her dad in this movie as being kind of provocateur, just like always challenging his daughter, and he he does bring that up later. He's like, oh, I want you to challenge your beliefs. It's like, but you're playing with people's lives here, <laughs> <laughs> and you're supposed to be a man of science, and you're yeah, and so he he's all giddy with anticipation of her. Uh, <laughs> Meeting the next guy that she will possibly see fried on the electric chair or <laughs> turned into a corpse. <laughs> yeah, because you know? we don't establish that. we. This is around the time we see the patient who's now, for, right now, Jonathan Rise Meyer's character's name is David. He's like a derelict, they say, they picked off the street. And Dad says there's something about him. He has he has a southern accent, but I know Rise Davis, or Rise Myers, I should say, is, a, and is an English actor, so... I could hear some of that English coming through with that southern accent, but it, it, that doesn't matter. But he's in a wheelchair, and they wheel him into this interrogation room. And uh, during this scene, you, before the scene, you see 
Dr. Harding, Kara, uh, sitting at the desk, and she's writing with her right hand. And then as she's talking to David, she's writing with her left hand. And now, I, I, I don't know if this is a flaw with the film, but I thought, oh, this is some weird-ass kind of M. Night Shyamalan stuff that's going to happen later. You know, it's going to bring that up or anything. Nope. Nope, it was just a scene where she was writing with her right hand and another where she was writing her left. <laughs> Which, that's really weird because it's almost, it's it's another one of these hanging threads that they never did anything with. I almost wonder if they were going to do something with it and then it didn't happen because that's not a mistake that you make. You don't accidentally write with your non-dominant hand. It's not something that happens unless you're directed to do that. Yeah, I thought that was very weird. I mean, like I said, I was just expecting some kind of w- a cool twist, and I, I like identity or again primal fear. That's I don't know why those stick out as the primary uh, movies about split personalities. But uh, anyways, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never we never see it again, so don't <laughs> don't fixate on that one too much. Folks. Yeah. Uh, so we so she's in there and she kind of asks these basic questions on. If he was religious, how many windows he had in his house growing up, if he can see what he sees in some Rorschach test, if he can make out numbers in these, these color palette tests to see if he had color blindness, and he kind of plays all these things fairly normal. And yeah, other, other than being in a wheelchair and having a southern accent, those are the things that we're kind of pushed into to, to focusing on as, uh, you know, as the audience. And then her father from behind the one way glass calls into the room. She He calls in there and I think he says, can I talk to him on the phone? Is that how it goes? And then he says to the guy, to Adam, like, can I speak to David? No, he says to David, can I speak to Adam? Ah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yes. so dad calls into the, there's a conveniently a phone located in the interrogation room, which I thought was odd, but I guess it was all kind of set up by the dad anyways. And tittering, <laughs> this is going to be great. It's like, <laughs> it's it's like gonna, the most evil I'm gonna freak her the fu- joke you can play on anyone, much less your daughter. <laughs> she's going to be so freaked out when she see what, sees what happens. <laughs> she's, this is going to erode her core beliefs. I love it. <laughs> yeah, and so dad calls and uh, David answers, David slash Jonathan Rees Myers, Rees Myers answers the phone. Dad asks for Adam and David kind of twitches and does these jerky sounds and violent. Oh, he werewolves out. He, what we get is the first stage of any standard werewolf metamorphosis. You can hear bones cracking. Yeah. <laughs> you can hear gristle popping and sinew snapping. I was thinking, Jesus Christ, is he going to turn into a lycanthrope here? And his, his, I think his head <laughs> turns at an odd angle for just a second. And then he just he goes through this great transformation into Adam. And Adam is a completely different personality, different character. Adam is has a kind of Bostonian accent, a north I should say more of a northeastern accent about him. He's got a different mannerism all all around. And He's got a general the fuck you looking at kind of accent. <laughs> right, right. And I kinda of get the you kinda of get a kind of a menacing vibe about him, but at the same time when Julianne Moore or Dr. Harding, Kara Harding I should say, interviews him, he's you know, he knows some. He knows stuff about her that she didn't think anyone else probably knew, or something that that Kara's husband had been murdered. And yeah, uh, he, he's, his overall tone and his 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 vibration is is kind of menacing. Uh, like he's I don't know, like he's got an almost kind of. Uh, 
rapey vibe about him or something. I was, yeah, he's 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 a very kind of uh, dominant personality right and she does the kind of does the same tests with she did with the david personality with the adam personality but this time she shows him a card and asks him if he can point out the numbers that the number that's on the card and he can't so it turns out he's got color blindness and exactly this this uh this character is colorblind and he i guess he's partially psychic because he knows something that that about uh kara's dead ex-husband he asked how he died and she said he was murdered so is am i am i skipping ahead or is this no this that's the- that's pretty much it and uh, i don't know if he was psychic or if maybe the the adam personality had just read that in the paper you know who knows yeah she says something to make him mad and he stands up abruptly so we realize okay he's not this 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 one isn't paralyzed and she's none too happy about it with dad as I, as i recall yeah yeah she she gets mad at him for you know doing this to him but to her and but and it kind of just cuts from that scene to uh, where we see her daughter at her brother's house and we meet uncle steven and yeah. sammy is her daughter's name okay i got the names right i hope on that one. yeah that sounds about right okay yeah sam let's just call her sammy because um i, I imagine it'll come up i hate child actors there's about <laughs> three or four examples that i could think of i tried real hard to think of of four uh, children actors that didn't make me mad and i think dakota fanning came up and the kid from the sixth sense people that somehow caught up to me in age <laughs> <laughs> yeah no you're right i, I always have a tough time kind of believing child actors and this is kind of another one where i was just like okay especially later when she's there's another scene that comes up and i'm like this is a little too heavy even for a kid that what maybe seven years old yeah in her defense it's not her fault because this would be a tough role for anybody but you know the, the, as far as the actors go she was the one kind of uh, un, again unfair on her she was the the one that stuck out as, as her performance didn't do much for me but we meet uh, uncle steven and sammy uh dr uh, harding's uh daughter and they're palling around at his house steven is a musician which kind of comes into play later on in the movie we see a lot of musical equipment around his apartment yeah and uh, dad decides to give Kara adam's file so she can review it more on his past and i guess where he came from and then we kind of do a flash shot to the back of david or adam in the wheelchair and there's scary music and then uh you see him kind of changing doing those twitches and turns and he's scratching the back of his neck and then all of a sudden it just flashes to Kara Harding in her bed the next morning. Yeah, he's got some kind of of infecty spot on the back of his neck. It's a running that'll be a running theme throughout it, an inexplicable running theme in my mind. But uh, uh, so let me see. I think the next thing that we see is Doctor Harding is examining two sets of X rays. Um, each one was taken. Oh, God, this part of the movie pissed me off. So we see two sets of x-rays, one from the Adam personality, one from the David. And in one of them, the spine is visibly uh, damaged to where, okay, he's got. So what we're dealing with is that he, I guess, his spine repairs itself when he phases back in between personalities. This part of the movie made me pretty mad. Of course, you know, Dr. Harding doesn't believe it. She thinks it's just two separate x-rays. Um, <laughs> she's voicing the frustrations of the audience at that point. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, somebody's fucking with me. There's no way 
that this is this is real. And her dad is just tittering with laughter again. He loves it, which another thing that made me mad is he's a man of science. And he's he, he the, the big conflict that he has with his daughter's character, Julianne Moore, is that he doesn't like her skepticism that people's spines can't heal themselves, <laughs> and fuse themselves back together when they change personalities. <laughs> he's like, how dare you use science to explain this? Don't you know this is a... A supernatural event. Next thing you're going to tell me, there's no big hairy ape men that hang out in the woods. No, no monster in Loch Ness. <laughs> so she talks to, I guess, Adam's doctor slash old psychiatrist, who's Doctor Charles. I didn't catch his last name. I just caught it as Charles. And I think that his first name was Stephen. But um, yeah, let's just call him Stephen because he's a very kind of side character. He's uh, David slash Adam's previous uh, psychologist. Yeah, and he seems like an old friend of the family. And they talk a bit about Adam's personality and the problems he's had. And uh, she says, okay, well, I'll see you later. And she takes off. And before she leaves, you see the doctor reach behind his back and start scratching at his neck and you see like a scar on the back of his neck. Yeah. And they, they take pains to show this thing to you. So you're dealing with, okay, this is some, <laughs> these back of the neck scars are going to be important because we have two people in a row that, that are, are have this, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I still don't know. I've, 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 I took extensive notes and watched the whole thing. And, and anyway, <laughs> I don't know what, what the purpose is. Maybe we can figure it out together throughout the course of this. But. Or not. Because <laughs> <laughs> at, at this point, I was thinking, is the dad real? Cause I'm trying to look out for all these clues about if Dr. Kara Harding is in this in her own kind of split personality state, you know, maybe she's experiencing yeah. some things. I'm trying to notice if the the daughter is even real, if the dad is real. And I'm just trying to, you know, waiting for those twists and turns to come. And as is usual through these kind of psychological thriller movies. But no, this was pretty much just straight up just horror supernatural film but we'll continue on here <laughs> well at, at some point dr harding goes uh, around this part in the movie she goes and looks up some old uh yearbooks in in wherever the archives for old yearbooks are kept and she finds an old picture of De david slash adams one of his personalities is actually tied to a young man that was living that, that had died some time ago yeah, David. She finds David Bernberg or whatever his last name is in a yearbook, and she sees that, of course, it's not this guy at all. It's a totally different person, and he he graduated in, like, 1980 or whatever the yearbook said. Yeah, so that gives us our next kind of jumping-off point in the in the plot, and there's a lot of those. This, this, yeah. Yeah, we, we flash to David experiencing visions in his dreams, then he wakes up looking, e like, evil as fuck. And Wasn't it, 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 did they show some kind of nebulous black form over uh, David slash Adam while he's sleeping? Is that has that happened yet? Or not is that yet. A little bit. Movie. Oh, well, yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay, but it, it comes up in a video like just shortly. <laughs> um, so okay, we we've uh, we've met this uh, his previous psychologist who was coughing. Always right. a good sign in a horror movie <laughs> or a movie in general. If you cough, if you have a <laughs> the the intensity of the cough dictates how soon you're going to die. Like if it's like <clears throat> you might make it to the end of the movie, <clears throat> means that you're going to die within this scene. <laughs> so, I know. I, I'm so glad that doesn't apply to real life, where I would have been dead last 
podcast that we did for 47. Oh, I would have been dead. Yeah, I, I cough every day. I mean, with sinus <laughs> problems, I'm surprised I made it to middle age. <laughs> but yeah, the the doc, the old psych doctor that she had visited now has, is coughing. She's on the phone with him. She's like, oh, get better. But it you know, hangs up the phone. And we see that the old doctor has sores all over his back. And he starts vomiting up soil, like dirt coming yeah, out of his like, mouth. Yeah, like potting soil. He starts spewing up potting soil. And it's like, oh, that's that's not going to get better. <laughs> That's a weird diet he was on to try to cure <laughs> some whatever what it he has. Is, is, I know what it is. It's diatonaceous earth. It's it's <laughs> what it's what people use because they think it's healthy. He just you're not supposed to eat the whole bag. <laughs> well, I figured you know you can give it to your pets and that kills fleas on them. So you know why wouldn't it work for humans, right? Right. Yeah, it could causes it causes bowel obstructions, but it, no fleas on that guy. Oh, <laughs> it's saving infections, but no fleas. <laughs> uh, Harding, uh, Doctor Harding, now drives out to where David uh, lived in the boonies of wherever they, whatever state or province they're in. I'm not even sure where they are at at the moment. I don't know where this was. I was kind of wondering that as I was watching it. It's uh, somewhere midwesterny, West Virginia, somewhere like that. Yeah, I would say it was in the Appalachian Mountains somewhere. Um, but there's lots of creepy baby dolls tied to phone and power poles. There's <laughs> snake, snake handling weirdos. There's odd symbols drawn on some of the trailer doors as she's driving by. Yeah, going into this place, all it's missing is just a barbecue sign with finger bones <laughs> writing out the letters. Uh, there's somebody, like you said, there's somebody milking a rattlesnake venom. Uh, there's baby doll heads. Uh, it's Yeah, it, it just looks real foreboding. And Dr. Harding makes her way into this creepy-ass property, just just ovaries of steel on this woman, and goes in the back and sees an old lady tending to a grave. Yeah, this old lady, uh, I've seen her, she's been in so many shows now. She's in that, uh, what is it, that Stephen, Stephen King Castle Rock show she's in? She always plays, um, she seems to always play like the the crazy slash psychic character in any kind of Stephen King adapt. She's, I wish, I don't know her name offhand. She's a fantastic actor. She's she, And she was good in this, and she's been good in everything I've seen her in, even when the movie she was in wasn't that good. I, I always recall her as, as being really good. Right, her name is Frances Conroy. She's awesome. Yeah, she's very good. And it's weird how I start noticing her in all these different kind of roles. She's also... Uh, kind of a regular on American Horror Story as well. If you ever that's where I've seen her. Yeah, yeah. That, and, and that kind of sums up. You talk about something that sums up not worth the sum of its part. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I won't go off on that tangent. <laughs> so we have uh, her visiting. Uh, Doctor Harding is visiting Francis Conroy's character, which is David's mother, and she is Conroy. Uh, not Conroy. What am I thinking? Oh, uh, <laughs> Harding, Dr. Harding starts asking her about David and David's like, Jesus Christ, why can't I get it right? I'm going to edit. I'm going to edit all thousand, this shit out. Thousand names in this thing. But, uh... <laughs> and, uh, Harding talks to David's mother and yes. she asks where David is or how David is. And the mother says, oh, you're standing on him. She looks down. She's standing on the grave of David. Yeah, you'd think she would have mentioned something before. It's like, it's been pissing me off the entire time. You've been d disrespecting my son before. <laughs> That's right. He's been staying on his grave the entire time. <laughs> By the way, if any of this is confusing, it's not you. <laughs> it's not you. It's, it's and and not. If, if I start sounding confusing, it's because I'm already very confused. And I'll probably edit some of this stuff out. 
I was taking notes so furiously Me that too. I had to rewind and watch it again and try to get it all down. It's like, wait, 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 <laughs> you're you're acting too fast. I can't take it all in. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I was taking so many notes. So we learned that David had an accident that causes paralysis, and then he starts kind of losing his faith because the, the area he's in is a very religious area. Like I said, snake handlers and that the like. So he thought a doctor in the city would be able to repair his legs. And one of those doctors was the doctor Stephen or Charles that they were talking to earlier that started coughing up the soil. And that's the doctor I, I'm, I'm assuming that David went to. But uh, soon after David was murdered... In he was city. murdered in the woods, yeah, yeah, near his home. Oh, that's yeah. right, murdered in the woods near his home, and apparently by Satan-worshipping mountain witches. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> there is so much to take in at this movie that I think we're barely, barely into the to the to getting towards the second act of the movie. And it's just bombarded you with plot and characters. So just to catch us up, uh, we got a split personality guy who's somehow basing his second personality on this paralyzed, murdered boy that was murdered by uh, crazy mountain people that are into some weird pagan shit. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's, that's simple enough, right? Yeah, it's, it makes perfect sense. It happens the, daily. The running theme, of course, is that David's mom says, "Well, uh, he turned his he turned his back on God and turned to science for the answer, and that's where that's where he messed up." And <laughs> it's like I think you need to ask Jesus for some decorating help, lady, because this place <laughs> is scurry. Uh, Harding continues her investigation, talks to her dad more about David and Adam's history. That's I think that's around the time that the dad starts berating her for. Because the dad is playing basketball with a bunch of mentally ill folk that I'm, I'm assuming yeah. that are there, and he right in front of all these poor bastards, he starts berating his daughter on just relying on science for her belief system. <laughs> and it would have been great if if the whole basketball team started crying and hitting themselves in the forehead. <laughs> we just have some abject chaos because anyone that's been around, uh, you know, intellectually uh, disabled people knows that you don't just throw out a lot of emotion unexpectedly. It's pretty infectious for the room. <laughs> that would have been fun. Uh, that would have been, uh, there's, yeah, that would have been an amazing comedic moment. So Harding continues their investigation. Uh, this is where dad, or dad brings Adam back into the interrogation room and, Yes, uh, and 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 we get another Jekyll Hyde moment. <laughs> right, Adam is now back to David mode. Yes, and David David is the uh, David's kind of the Hyde character or Jekyll. Which one's bad? The, the Hyde would be the, the bad character. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I would I would hesitate to even call the Adam personality a a Hyde character because it just seems like yeah. he's abrasive but not particularly uh, harmful. Um, but yeah, so the mom shows up, David's mom shows up and the, the personality of David tries to convince his mother that, you know, it's really him and she almost believes it, but then doesn't fall for it and says, the devil, the devil's trying to trick me. And she slaps, yeah, slaps, slaps him across the face, which, you know, as we know, any, any, uh, <laughs> any good psychologist would do that in this situation. There's somebody that I've got that that's obviously delusional and thinks he's somebody else. Let me bring that dead guy's poor mother into this interrogation room and have her talk to this guy. That's a great, what could go wrong? Yeah. It's, this gr little meeting? 
it's a, I guess it's a great therapy. It's one of these new new age ideas of confrontation therapy or something. Because something I can't even figure out what Doctor Harding's intention was in this moment. I, I I've struggled with a lot of people's motivations in this movie, and especially in that moment. Like, what do you expect to get out of this? Are you, I guess she was trying to prove her theory that that this is all bullshit. I don't know what she was trying to get out of it. Yeah, I'm not sure what the motivation was for this, unless she's just so desperate for the Adam slash David personality just to reveal themselves as being a fraud. And that's where maybe that was, she was trying to draw it out, but he kept saying all this stuff that was personal to the mother and the mother was slowly getting drawn into it. But he was telling her things that were intimate that no one else could possibly know. And she was, and she, I, she slaps him across the face. I can't tell if it's because she believes it or because she doesn't believe it, but she's, she's not having it. Oh no, she's not having it. She slaps across the face and immediately leaves. And then we flash to a, 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 just a weird scene of Dr. Harding visiting a church. Yes. It's it's another bit of, uh, it's another bit of her backstory that doesn't really help us much about her personality. She's, she's a Catholic. She's a good quote unquote Catholic. I'm, I'm air quoting vigorously. So, (laughs) So she's she's a Catholic and she's kind of an alcoholic, which eh, makes sense in Catholic. <laughs> so it's yeah, this is <laughs> oh my god! I I just thought that was like a weird kind of throw off scene that didn't make any much sense since it lasted maybe a couple of seconds. The next thing we're we're out in the car as Harding drives the David slash Adam person. I'm just gonna call him Adam slash David the entire that's, time. That, that, that's that's probably the best best way because we know that it's the guy (laughs) the guy yeah and we so far this isn't very much about six souls it's just about two personalities primarily yeah harding takes david out to the woods and he has a scary vision so she another terrible idea yeah (laughs) poorly advised horrible she she wheels him out first of all in the wheelchair to on on, along a muddy bank into the woods which is into a very escapable scenario (laughs) And uh, she says, uh, what do you remember about this place or something about that? Yeah, I think it's where the area where David was murdered. And yeah. he, he has this scary vision of a devil approaching him. and He's coming. And he's yes, coming. He... Yeah. yeah. And she, she, he snaps out of it and she tries to move his wheelchair. Of course, it's stuck. And <laughs> she gets on the phone. And while she's on the phone uh, on her cell phone trying to call the orderly, uh, we see in the background David starts wigging out and light, turning into a werewolf again. Yeah, it's, he he bends his neck back in a way that would be like, oh wow, like you can hear bones and and ligaments snapping again. I I think that it was they needed some real obvious way for us, the audience, to know that he's changed. But I, it seems pretty obvious. But it seems pretty obvious, and you think the doctors would notice the change that oh he's bending his neck way too far back this is not normal i mean we've seen people wig out and think they're possessed but they've never actually turned their heads around on their bodies like this guy seems to be doing yeah that's 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 the moment when you realize that exorcism is a, you, you might need one you might need yourself an exorcist go well that's that's where i thought the by the time this this point was coming you know where we're seeing all these different changes in his character the adam david personality character i thought okay this guy needs an exorcism and i think i thought that's where it was going yeah and she gets on the phone and calls jai from 1920 london and he shows up and <laughs> we're all delighted unfortunately oh that would have been such a great crossover <laughs> oh, three of us would get it <laughs> <laughs> and so the orderly come is, is on his way down to try to help the wheelchair out, but it turns out now we see a new 
personality show up, this guy named Wes. So it's yes. now David, Adam, and Wes. Yeah, Wes is the third guy, and this uh, this this part you should like. He's uh, he's the lead. The third personality is the lead singer, the dead lead singer of a satanic rock band, a scary satany rock band. <laughs> yeah, and I thought uh, you see a couple of the, the cheesy CDs around where his graveyard or his tombstone is, and it's just like obviously these photo mockups of. You know, guys dressed up in black and just it was, it was really cheesy but i was like okay i get it he was the vocalist for a black death metal band and- wes is the third personality and predictably he's got a vibration that's really kind of uh like um ah, are you date rapey kind of wes there's a, there's a very kind of i'm looking at you like a a wolf looks like a at a raw piece of meat kind of uh <laughs> vibe about him right and wes is has this menacing vibe about him virgil the orderly shows up and that's the last we ever see of this wes personality yeah yeah we don't have time for wes we're on point three you know how i felt i felt like the same way as watching infinity war like okay we're on the third stone we got three left (laughs) (laughs) i was counting on my fingers too the entire time yeah of course i did have a calculator available but i was like this is six souls i've got fingers i can keep up (laughs) I got and you got all ten fingers, so yeah, you can count. It's, it's all gonna work out. Uh, so Hardy goes back to David's mom's house, and she said, "I guess David hummed some kind of tune that's that was familiar, not really familiar, but she had never heard it before." And she asked, "Oh, where did you learn that tune?" And David says, "Oh, I wrote it." So Doctor Harding goes back to David's mom's house in the boonies and asked her about the song he hummed. David's mom says, oh, yeah, he wrote it. He's a musician, too, or whatever. So we we see Harding kind of trying to develop this theory about Adam's multiple personalities. And she thinks that Adam had witnessed David's murder when he was really young. And so she's already kind of developing the psychological profile. She's still not believing that it's a supernatural event, that these are just... uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah and at this point i'm thinking are you getting paid for this like because income has to be a consideration here she's going she is jumping through hurdles to and just <laughs> hanging on stringently to the scientific method like there is no way any of this is real i'm, I'm gonna she's just bothering these people to kind of disprove that this guy that there's something otherworldly whatever you want to call it going yeah and, and you bring up a good point it's like what is she doing is she a is she a contractor for the hospital is she a, is she a doctor for a hospital does she work with her dad at the same place or are they colleagues uh, it's not really established why she is doing this in the first place. it's just it just seems like a challenge from her dad saying here try to figure this shit out <laughs> I know. what i think it is is somehow she just gets paid to get dudes fried on the electric chair or on the you know <laughs> but you know, yeah at this point though we don't we we don't even know that this character this personality has committed any crimes it's just that he has multiple personalities apparently so he hasn't really committed any crimes he's he's obviously free to walk about he's shown up by her at her car window he's been out into the he's shows up in a, a soccer field and all this stuff <laughs> so he's not confined anywhere Oh, and he's got one lazy orderly that just kind of sort of keeps an eye on him. So, yeah, it's, I, it, it's you're confounded to why she's even messing with this guy. Obviously, income is a consideration. She's a single mom. Uh, so, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, let's keep moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow she gets, she, she gets the next plot 
<laughs> lily pad that she needs to jump to is some is to visit Adam's old house. She gets it into her head. I'm going to go to Adam's old house. I'm going to find <laughs> I'm going to find just just solid evidence that he witnessed the real Adam's murder at his house. I think that's her motivation to go to this old house. Right. Yeah. And the house is just disgustipated. It's it's just just crawling with maggots and mold and rot, and it's in the scariest neighborhood you could imagine. Yeah, and there's graffiti. There's religious graffiti on the walls. There is a, a dog there for some reason, and she walks up, and she's just inspecting the place, and she's walking around, and she goes upstairs and starts smelling something horrible. She and she stump, She goes into the bathroom, and there's something covered in the bathtub, and she lifts the cover. And it turns out to be a dead body that's decomposing in the bathtub. Yeah, good and rotted. Yeah, so she calls the cops, and the cops show up, and uh, she's like, "I need to go. My daughter is at as at, at softball practice." Or yeah, something. it's like softball practice or or soccer practice or something. So she she meets this kind detective. He's just kind of an ancillary character that doesn't really do anything. But she she says, "Oh yeah, I got to go," and he's like, "Oh, you don't have to be here." So she takes off and. She arrives at the soccer field or softball field and sees the Adam David personality guy talking to her daughter. And she, said, she rightfully flips out. Yeah, what are you doing here? Like she's probably a thousand questions are running through her mind at, at that moment. The first and most important to is like, how are you out here? Why are you bothering my daughter? And and probably third is, did you kill that body that's in your house rotting? <laughs> so yeah. three, three very uh, reasonable questions at this point. Right. And we, we discover that uh, the Adam slash David slash West personality yeah. says, uh, well, you invited me here. That's why I'm here to see her play. And she was doing such such a good job. She's going to be a, a star or some shit like that. And. And Dr. Harding is, of course, what do you mean I invited you here? And he's like, oh, last yesterday when you came to the hospital, you said, come out and watch the game. Uh, and you can call me Cece or uh, he calls thought her. Said, thought he said Steve. Oh, yeah. yeah he calls her Cece. It's some kind of a term of endearment. So it turns out to be the doctor. That the doctor, we his his uh, Adam slash David's former psychologist that we established before that earlier in the movie puked up potting soil and had the big scary gross uh, infected rash on his back. Yes. It, he that is now the fourth personality. I yep. think. Uh, yeah. yeah, you're right. That's correct. Uh, we are now at Adam slash David slash West slash Charles. I'm going to say Charles because in the IMDb, Charles. IMDb it says Doctor Charles. So well, that, that makes sense because Stephen is her brother. Right. Too many yeah. Stephen. So, yeah, seasons. Charles it is. <laughs> so we have four personalities now, and Harding talks with her daughter. Oh, there's like the scene afterwards that we go where the daughter's sitting in a bathtub, and uh, Dr. Harding is bathing her daughter, and and the doc, she's like, it's some existential conversation about believing in God and how the daughter doesn't believe in God anymore because daddy's dead, and I was like, it- what? And my nose started to bleed at this point, so I just I, – I, I had to not even – like, okay, that can't be important because I can't uh, – like, my hand is cramping from notes, and I can't take it all in. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because I couldn't – I couldn't at that point. I was just – this is – yeah, this is one of the points where my eyes were rolling around in my head and just making knocking noises all over my skull. <laughs> What is going on? There's too much plot. But yeah, yeah we, and then we see that Harding is drying her daughter off, and Steve says she has a weird itchy rash on her back now. 
Yeah, uh, on not on not on Doctor Harding's back, on her daughter's back, I should say. I'm yes. trying to differentiate, but uh, yeah, the daughter is the one taking the bath. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> unfortunately, I'm kidding. So, um, <laughs> uh, Doctor, so she calls her dad, and Doctor Dad tells her that Doctor Charles is dead, and all of a sudden we start hearing Dad start coughing on the phone. Yeah, and Dad's back is awash in infection. Like I maybe I'm I'm guessing he can't see it because I could if you've got that much pus coming out of your body you would know I mean his it, he's like end of cabin fever level of of infection on his back so <laughs> we know Dad's not going to make it because he's coughing he's got the racking you know dirt in your lungs cough yeah so we've uh, we've kind of established like coughing is pure death in here it's like the tubercul- tuberculosis but with instead of blood it's soil coming up <laughs> yeah, definitely running with a theme here so we flashed a, a video of adam in jail and that's where we start seeing his weird visions and then we see like a dark the dark shadow hovering over adam and then just disappears and uh, I, yeah. it doesn't really establish. I don't think anyone's watching the video at the moment, but because it's it, almost like they felt like they had to get it in there, otherwise some the con- continuity would be shattered. But at this point, I just I, I don't I don't know that it matters. But yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, we see. Okay, well, it is some kind of spiritual devil entity that's you know fucking around with this this dude. So, um. We see that the nice detective interrogates Adam slash David slash Wes slash Dr. Charles. <laughs> uh, turns out that Adam's house had the carving, uh, had that same symbol that was carved into his back, the, the corpse's back. It's like a stylized cross, like yeah. a poorly drawn cross. Right, and it resembles symbols found in uh, David's mom's house. So uh, Harding Yeah, goes, the, the, okay. Dr. Harding says, I recognize that symbol. So she's back to bother the mom for the third time <laughs> for the third time and mom tells harding to go look for granny yeah up, ask up for granny ask like, for you granny could've, you could have told me this earlier but go, go just go ask for granny you you <laughs> oh god yeah I, i'm just thinking this point. <laughs> it's like if we would just all talk to each other and we're free with information earlier on this 9-11 of a film would never have fucking happened <laughs> <laughs> this is like the fbi and cia pre-9-11 just what I've, what I've learned about uh, horror movies is that being a skeptic and using common sense and the scientific method in general sucks. You just got to go straight to the fucking witch doctor. <laughs> go, to, <laughs> go to the leeches. Go to the exorcist. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so Harding drives up into the, the the mountains of the mountain folk and she oh, yeah. sh- she shows one of them the, this cross symbol and then granny this twisted woman blind woman comes out of nowhere and wants yeah. to see the symbol and there's this she's creepy child light eyes and she's got a, a a kid with white hair uh that that kind of sees for her yeah uh-huh. and the the kid sees the symbol and then granny who's standing like 15 feet back says oh uh, i know what this is you you need to come with no me oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what is, what exactly happened? So I didn't know if Granny wanted her to come with her, but 
Hardy wants to know what it means, but Granny says Harding would never believe her. And that's kind of where the scene almost ends, because Harding just says, okay, fuck it. I'm going to get my back in my car and just take off. And I'm like, drive right back to town. And it's got to be at least an hour drive. Well, I think they established that it's an hour drive, about 15 minutes, he said, which, you know, they tell us facts that we don't really need all that much. Because at this point, it's like, you want me to keep track of distance? That's what I'm going to call bullshit on that. That's 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 going to be the sticking point for me. But yeah, Dr. Harding says, how did you do that? that because the as the 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 kid who sees for the granny uh i don't know they do a parlor trick and then and then she says how's how how can you do that and the woman says you wouldn't believe me what it means and (laughs) she's like all right peace and goes back to town goes back to to uncle steven and her daughter sammy yeah she goes back in the town and when she starts calling i think she she calls her brother to let her know that there's some freaky shit going on and her brother says you see her her daughter kind of jamming on these electronic drums she's got earphones on but we see the brother steven looking at this video of the the shadowy creature i'm not sure how yeah. he has a copy of it i but. don't know i you know i guess since i guess that that her that her, his his sister just gives her him all of yeah her evidence that she's been collecting doctor patient confidentiality be damned yeah, fuck that yeah. yeah it's like i'm not even his doctor haha but he <laughs> In another part of the movie that we're just supposed to accept, which was just a mountain of bullshit in my mind, uh, Uncle Steven is just watching this video of Adam slash West slash et cetera, et cetera, sleeping with this black nebula shape above him. And then then he looks at the waveforms that his niece is making playing drums horribly. She sucks on the drums. (laughs) And. And then he's like, Eureka, I got it. That's a that's a sound wave. That's a waveform over the bed. Let me just run it through my software. Clickety, clickety, clickety. Oh, it's a voice. I'm like, wait the fuck, fucking second. How did you get here? I, I was, I was, I'm right there on track with you because I'm saying, what kind of fucking software are you using? We're looking at some unrealistic, weird. It's so stupid that this that this black form that was just kind of hanging out over our our schizophrenic character is is something that you can feed through Pro Tools. Yeah, that's what it was. It's like you can get an audacity, your free Audacity program, and just plop it in there, and suddenly it's saying some. Uh, obscure bullshit that you can't even make out. Yeah, but I made a mistake before. So uh, Dr. Harding was not actually traveling back. We cut back to her still hanging out with the witch Dr. Rednecks, which she's, again, this woman has just titanium ovaries because, like, I would have been, I couldn't have waited to get out of that situation. Like, there's there's scary rednecks and they're into voodoo. So, well, let me <laughs> let me stick around, see where, where what unfolds. Right, right. And she, she when she leaves, she doesn't exactly go back the town she just goes to this abandoned gas station and that's where she gets messages from the te- detective that says they couldn't hold adam slash david slash west in any kind of holding so they re- re- put him into the care of her dad and yeah then, we've given the psycho over to your dad who's we've already established has serious uh you know uh problems with boundaries he's already kind of in violated your home and now we're gonna <laughs> let him in your home 
Yeah. Right, and then that she found she gets the message from her brother about the voice and plays some of the creepy, unintelligible shit to her through the voicemail. Yeah, it's and, like et cetera, et cetera, faithless, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I can't remember. I, you couldn't hear what's said, but he's yeah, they, he's he's figured it out. He's cracked it. But then this this is another part of the movie where I don't understand where this name came from. Maybe I missed it when I was taking notes, but they mention a Christian Moore. Uh, some they reverend. pulled it right out of their ass. They did. It was the same thing with me. There's, there's all of a sudden, there's a new goal that you have to. There's less running around in like Fallout or one of those games where the whole game is just you're just following breadcrumbs back. Go to point A now. Bring me back that thing I told you to get. Yeah, it's, it's that. All over the place. And even if it was something where it was like a point A to point B, bringing this back, you know, it still develops a story that kind of makes sense in the gist of everything. But they just bring this name up, this Christian Moore, and they say, oh, his, uh, the brother, I guess, discovered the name and says, oh, there's some dude named Monty who has more info on this Christian Moore uh, in the the same area where she's at. And she's like, I could be there in 50 minutes. And he's like, well, go. It's like, why? It's like, brother, where are those? Like, well, this is a geographic anomaly. It's like, well, 15 minutes from everywhere. I love that this internet innovation led the brother to this expert, but there's no more information. It's like, he hoards it. You have to go. He's a very lonely old man, and you have to go have tea with him. And he might try to put his fingers in you, but you'll get the information. <laughs> and this old man she goes to see, this Monty, is... Well, hold on. Before that, we see like another flashback of Harding's daughter now coughing, and she's scratching her back, neck and back, and we see that she comes away with some nasty slime. So we know that the daughter, Sammy, is getting worse. But then, yeah. we, then we flash to Harding visiting this old man named Monty. He's got to be in his maybe early, mid-80s. And he shows her some old night footage from 1918 about the influenza epidemic that happened in the mountains where thousands were dying. And this Christian Moore, who's a reverend, arrived to kind of preach to the mountain folk and said that he had a cure and all this stuff. Yeah, it's just uh, – and by this point in the movie – at this point in the movie, I felt like the movie was straddling my chest and punching me in the <laughs> mouth with plot. Like, take some more of this. So, we, yeah, we learn about this this faithless doctor. He loses his faith. It turns out that um, his kids were the only kids in the village that didn't succumb to the influenza outbreak because he was secretly using evil medicine instead of a faith to, to heal his kids. Right. He had secretly inoculated his children. So of course they weren't affected at all by the influenza that was happening at the time. And then we learned that this Monty that she, that's showing her this, this old footage in 1918, he was probably around 10 years old in the, the footage. And I'm thinking it's 2018 now. And if this footage was 1918, so that's exactly 100 years. Well, hold on. I could just say it was 2010, so it was almost 100 years. It's definitely in the 90s. He would definitely be in the 90s. No, he'd be 100-something. Yeah. That, that, I'm trying to do that, the math. but That math will bring you nothing but pain. Yeah, he should have, he should have been much older. <laughs> even though the gentleman was, was an elderly gentleman, Monty, but he should have been much more elderly than what God, liver oil to. do wonders for you i guess he <laughs> took it daily yeah and and just a pristine memory for a child in the midst of an influenza outbreak he remembered all this stuff like these granular details that that i guess we need for the backstory i don't i, I don't think that it was all that necessary but it was kind of interesting but i don't know if necessary oh. yeah this last part of the movie uh, this la- the last third i'll say even the last half of the movie just lost me because i was very interested 
intrigued at the beginning, and then it just started going quickly downhill. But yeah, this Monty says he found he he remembers sneaking into the tent of the Reverend and found that his children had been murdered by the townsfolk or the mountain folk. And uh, we see footage of the mountain people dragging the Reverend, and we see an old granny, not the same granny, I don't think, from that we see in the current, the modern version, but maybe an older one, and she sucks the soul out of the Reverend and then spits him out into the air and then shoves soil into his mouth so the, the the soul can't get back into his body and then yeah we go back to modern modern times <laughs> yeah so they, they they oh god it's 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 exhausting isn't it like they so they've established how the dirt in the mouth and i but still not the pussy uh uh cross on the back i, I don't know that that's oh. been well, they, fed to us well, yeah, yeah, they they actually did. I forgot to mention during that flashback kind of grainy footage, we see the mountain folk carving that symbol into his back ah, right okay. before she sucks out the soul and then jams the dirt in his mouth. So, yeah, it's, I guess it's a symbol that the mountain folk have been using for their religion. And the, so, I guess what I guess in this moment, what the granny did is that she um, basically released a vengeful spirit out into the world, and right. that's what we're dealing. with. Is an angry spirit. Yes. Yeah, so she didn't want this spirit. She didn't want to. They were going to murder him, but they didn't want him to be at rest. So they just released the spirit, and he's been this angry spirit. Uh, so Harding decides to call her dad, but dad's all fucked up. He's coughing, and we learned that it's not Adam. It's not. It was really Adam that she found in that old house that she discovered the body in the the bathtub, and she tells her dad that wasn't you know Adam isn't adam it's it's this guy is taking on the personality of adam because adam is actually dead and the dad is like okay (laughs) (laughs) let me just cough up about a pound of of potting soil here and then adam slash david slash wes shows up and uh does mouth to mouth with dad after spreading his mandible apart like an anaconda (laughs) yeah opens his mouth and starts stealing the soul of the father and uh, this is where at this point in the movie we see in the old footage that she's being shown from monty that the reverend turns around and faces the camera and the big reveal is that it looks exactly like him which uh, the guy that we know is adam david west which makes no fucking sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. Why the, does it? Why would he look? Why would he? I know. And that's <laughs> this is makes it makes no goddamn sense at all. I, I'm sitting here wondering, well, thinking maybe it's just a spirit infecting a body or, you know, are all these souls? Are they the real people speaking through or is this just or is I this don't his, know. Does yeah. he cap, are they are they unwilling kind of victims in this or the spirits kind of, you know, being coerced it makes no fucking sense it, it doesn't make any goddamn sense and this is where it just started losing me near the end and uh, but yeah we're, we're closing in we're closing in on the end yeah they, slowly they, but surely. They, they're, they're rushing they're pushing you through it's like and then uh jessa or i'm sorry uh dr harding calls uh the orderly at the hospital it's like you got to check on my dad check on my dad so the orderly that we saw that's 
is established as being very poor at his orderly duties, <laughs> goes upstairs and finds Dr. Harding's dad dead on the ground. And he's got this, I don't know why they chose this. It looks like he's got semen coming out of his eyes. <laughs> I'm not like, trying to be gross. That's what it looked like. Yes, you know? it's weird, kind of like an evil dead kind of pus dripping from his eye holes and everything. But it, it was it was a brief but cool effect. But it, Yeah, but he's good and dead. He's good we, and dead. <laughs> one less character to worry about so you can be good you can be glad about that um so steven uh, the brother uncle uncle steven and has is babysitting sammy of course and then you know harding calls him up dr harding she calls him up she goes oh you got to get out here right now and as they're starting to leave the i'm gonna call him re- the reverend now because that's how he's been revealed that's kind of who he is. Adam slash David slash Wes is now just the Reverend. That's who he's always been, I guess. Yeah, we'll that's, yeah. And so we he shows up. He, yeah, he shows up to, to terrorize Uncle Stephen and Sammy. We should also bring up that uh, Doctor Stephen was going to take Sammy to the doctor because you know she's coughing up a lung and she, she's got these weird sores on her back. On her back, and Doctor Harding, you know, is, she's like, no, 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 don't take him to the hospital. Bring him up here into the mountains, and they're both <laughs> bring arguing. him to the witch doctor. Yeah. I've changed my mind about my life's work. We need <laughs> we need a witch doctor. A doctor won't be able to help this girl. Exactly, and so the Reverend shows up at the brother's apartment building, and it's supposedly the father now speaking through the reverend and begging to be let in and yeah and steven's like you don't know you go and then he, the the reverend just pushes steven into the shower they're, they're holed up steven and uh sammy are in the bathroom which ah, it drives me nuts in horror movies when you're trying to escape from somebody so you go deeper into the house and the most inaccessible part it's just <laughs> Please kill us here. We're in this corner if you need to get us. And Stephen gets shoved into the shower and glass falls all over him and he gets injured and Sammy is scared. Sammy is scared. Yeah. Yeah. Sammy is scared. She's on the phone with her mother. And as we see, like the reverend slash dad now is telling Sammy, oh, come with me. I I can protect you. And we see Sammy hold up the phone and Dr. Harding says, I want to speak to David. And since David is paralyzed, is paralyzed. Uh, the the David soul I guess comes out and gets paralyzed and falls to the floor. I cracks guess, his head. Cracks his head and is unconscious on the floor. The uh, Uncle Stephen wakes up and they conveniently both, conveniently wakes up. He's bloody. He's bleeding from various parts of his body. He's got shards of glass in his gut and he. Well, we don't even know that yet. That's no, yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's like he's got so much glass in him, which. You know, if you're going to have a glass shower, maybe better safety glass. I mean, there's just jags of glass hanging out of homeboy here. So he stumbles out, bleeding out of the neck, and he and Sammy get in the car, and he's he's convinced at this point. He's like, tell me where this witch doctor is. So he goes into the woods. It's, Jesus, that's so stupid. And then he's, he's driving... He, he's driving with Sammy to go to the witch doctor to try to get witch doctor back to health. Yeah, and, and creepy witch doctor girl some is appears in the middle of the road. They they stop really quick, and we see that you know Stephen is already he's obviously very injured and almost passing out. So Harding gets out with Sammy, and they start running through the woods towards the witch doctor area. And we see headlights pull leaving up. Leaving the brother to bleed to death. Leaving the, the, bro- <laughs> the brother starting to bleed to death. But we see headlights pull up behind the brother. And it turns out, of course, to be the Reverend has shown up. So the brother gets out with a, 
a tire iron in his hand, and we think they're going to fight. dripping in blood. It's yeah. funny. He's just, he, and then he looks, I love this part, where he looks down and he sees, oh, I just now noticed I've got about four inches of glass hanging out of my gut. I'm like, okay, it would have been, maybe you would have dealt with that in the beginning. But, right. I know. And then we... Uh, we we get a chase scene. Well, no, 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 no. We Harding goes to the granny, goes to the witch doctor. Yes. And yeah. the, the witch doctor says, "Uh, yeah, there's nothing I can do for." No, nah, this this girl's dead. Yeah. <laughs> she lost her faith. She's she's not she's not a a Christian anymore, Sue. She's gonna die. It's she's like been, she's, uh, yeah, I think she just read the God delusion, so she's screwed. Six <laughs> ways to Sunday. You, you need to get her out of here. She's done. She's done, son. <laughs> so they take the witch's advice and they say, "Okay, well, I guess we're gonna leave now." And of course, yes. the the Reverend shows up and just walks right past the witch doctor and chases them out the door. And you know, we get the the old trope. We get the Friday the Thirteenth chase here, where she is uh, Doctor Harding and Sammy are running. And she's holding Sammy in her arms, and she's running as fast as she can. And we just see the Reverend walking, strolling, yeah, strolling. Yes, yes. <laughs> Killers love to give their victims a head start, so it's a little bit more sporting to catch up with them. <laughs> and we see her running through the woods. She just uh, she discovers Stephen's body on the ground next to the car. We don't. I, I'm just going to assume he bled out. And as yeah, they, they to... kind of like uh, spilled milk, and then they keep running. Yeah. <laughs> Very little time is spent on us mourning Stephen, who uh, you know wasn't a good character, but he seemed like a good guy. So you know, let's pour out some some of our drink for Stephen at this point. I poured out a little Lacroix for him as uh, we uh, pass by him briefly into the next scene. <laughs> and so we the the chase continues through the woods. Doctor Harding stumbles falls down this embankment with Sammy in her arms and they fall into this clearing that has kind of a it looks like a, a ritual area has some stacked stones in the middle and I thought this was going to play some kind of role nope nope no, no it's just it's just a good spot to have the, your showdown at the, at the end. The, the Reverend takes Dr. Harding and bashes her head against a tree and then goes over to Sammy and sucks her soul out and you're like oh shit and so he's he's got Sammy's soul in him. And then Dr. Harding wakes up with blood coming out of her nose, even though she got hit on her head. But <laughs> at this point, it's kind of, you know. Well, I think uh, at this point, we're, we're all as an audience, all of our nose are bleeding, noses are bleeding, and <laughs> stuff is coming out of our ears and <laughs> migraines. Yeah, you know, splitting headaches, double vision. But she uh, she knows Dr. Harding seems to know what she's dealing with. And she's, oh, it's okay, honey. Come on over here. So uh, the reverend who's now has Sammy's soul in her, in him, him, her. <laughs> yeah, just uh, Dr. Harding consoles the reverend slash Sammy now. And cause... it's okay, baby. Just just look at the rabbits. Look at the... <laughs> look at the rabbit. Yeah, it is almost a scene like that where she's like, just think of the rabbits. And she starts fucking choking them out with a sleeper hold. <laughs> <laughs> just choking him just got him in a full nelson and of course he switches personalities so that he can have the the strength of the killer and they do battle a little bit more and she's able to shove him on the ground and a convenient uh what what would you call it just a stick i want to say it's a stick yeah because there was the, i did, it was just a stick yeah sticking out of the ground I mean, yeah, you know, but, you know, like uh, it stabs him through the neck, through and through the neck, and he's coughing up potting soil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's coughing up his potting soil, and which I guess is his life's blood. But in then... I... <laughs> 
Yes, that's what he's made out of. I don't know. <laughs> well, because uh, again, we're not. It's like okay, his soul was released into the air, but yet his physical body was still alive with soil in it. I, it, it didn't make any sense. So none of it makes any fucking sense. They came. They. They. I don't know. I don't know that. that I, I, I don't know. It's got me. Got me unable to say words for a second. <laughs> oh, and so we we assume that the, the Reverend is now dead. I put it dead in quotes and. Harding approaches her, 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 the corpse of her daughter, and she comforts the daughter. And then I'm like, okay, you've turned your back on the dead monster killer. And I, I'm thinking, okay, this is where he's going to either come back to life, something's going to happen. And you see like this wind stir, and all of a sudden you see the daughter's hands kind of twitch like they have life in them, and her eyes yeah, start blinking. He- he exhales a soul, a soul, out, and Sammy comes back to life. And Dr. Harding is all, oh, Sammy. And she's comforting her now alive again daughter. And the daughter starts to hum the song that uh, David wrote. Right, yeah. Yeah. And then she, and, yeah. Yeah. And then we see... Uh, and then we see her face go kind of slack. The doctor's face go kind of numb. And then the last shot that we see is the daughter looking real cold and and murdery with a real blank look on her eyes and some, some potting soil around her mouth. And then the movie just thankfully, you know, goes like shows us some charity and lets us lets us off the hook and then it ends. What a fucking mess. Yeah, the, this movie that it started off Six Souls started off promising for me. I thought it was going to be kind of a psychological horror thriller and by the, you know, this whole time, you know, that for that first third of the movie, I was expecting some cool twists and turns, some psychological twists and turns and it turned out Nothing was surprising. Red herrings all over the goddamn place, and the ending just <laughs> fell apart. Like you know, I don't know, just like swish pouring swish cheese out of a bag into your sink. I don't. That's not even a good analogy. I'm not even want to know what I'm thinking of. I'm just thinking of. Sw- I liked it. I liked it because I can imagine it. So it, it, it was fine. I, I, I don't say- be too hard on yourself. It was your analogy was better than the fucking movie in some ways. <laughs> it, it's you know that's the thing. Like it, it had everything that it needed, which you, you see a lot. That's what's frustrating about movies that kind of fall apart for you. Is everybody in this movie was was really good, with the exception of the daughter, and I don't blame her for that. That, that this yeah. would have been a challenging role for anybody but that, that's, that's the thing that bugged me the most about it it was a it was obvious that the filmmakers that plot was more important than character and to me that's always a mistake that's always going to be a mistake in my estimation yeah and this was a huge failing i mean th- this is probably the i think to me i know you hated 47 meters down but i think this is the least favorite movie we've watched in my i opinion. think so too i agree with that like yeah. 47 meters down like as as much as i it seemed like i hated it i loved to hate it i was having fun hating it and it was it it, it never you you were never kind of going what the fuck is going on even <laughs> even in movies that, that were just confounding that should have been frustrating like 1920 and especially 1920 London those were fun they were throwing way too much stuff at you but it was fun right. it, this was nothing i guess it's debatable whether horror movies are supposed to be fun but there was just nothing engaging about this like you you it's an unfair comparison but you compare it to recent movies like hereditary which was 
awesome. Right. And, you know, it was that movie was it worked because it was character driven. There was a lot of cool uh, history and subtext and symbolism, but it was character driven. You cared about these people. And when something bad happened to them, it, it felt like something bad was happening to you. This movie, I, you know, who were these people? There was no there was no one here. There was no one. They, they, they were barely characters. No, I, I agree 100%. This is, uh, th- there were barely characters, the, and I, I can't disparage the actors because they were doing a, a great job with what they had. I'm just surprised that no one gave any like, any notes about, you know, why is this happening? What, this doesn't make any sense, but maybe, maybe, I mean, we haven't seen Julianne Moore in anything kind of big in a lot of, in recent years, and we haven't seen really Jonathan Reese Myers in anything big in the last couple, so maybe this was just a paycheck for them, and they didn't care about... Uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I would assume that they care though, because like you said, their their performances were as good as you could hope for with nothing to grab onto, yeah, just literally right. nothing. I mean, you know what it kind of reminded me of? I, I, I didn't do any research on this part, but I wonder if it was based off of a novel because it seems like the kind of story that if it was a dense, thick novel that it would have been fun to dig into all that stuff and that there would have been more breathing room to kind of give the characters a little bit more weight and a little bit more of a soul but yeah yeah you have a good point there i'm just trying to maybe there's some trivia that we're missing yeah, well, here but well check it out that'll be some fun uh you know notes for the social media for afterwards for the uh, for the, <laughs> the conversations that i'm sure we'll be engaging in with the with the populace <laughs> all right well that was the sixth episode of cinematic suffering and that was the movie six souls how convenient actually that's right six 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 oh if only the next movie had a six in it what is it, what is our next movie Ah, uh, it's called six minus five equals two. And I, get this, get this. It's an Indian Blair Witch ripoff. So, you know, yes. it's like a, it's like after a hard day, you want the warm bath of Bollywood. This isn't quite Bollywood. It's 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 uh, the the language is different than the uh, previous Bollywood movies that we've seen. And judging from the trailer, it was done with about six minus five equals two thirds of the budget. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right. So we are, I'm. Okay, I'm looking forward to seeing this then. Maybe. I am too, and I think it's gonna. Yeah, it'll either be a it'll be a mess, but it'll be a fun mess. Is kind of where I'm I'm going into it with that expectation. That's what I'm hoping for is a a, a fun mess to kind of cleanse the palate of six yes. souls here. All right, and until next time, everyone, thank you for joining us on another episode of Cinematic Suffering. I am Jason. I'm Clay, and we'll talk to you later. Peace. Hey guys, just a few plugs and shoutouts before we end this episode. Clay is an extremely talented and twisted comic artist, and you should visit his pride and joy, hboys.com. That's H-B-O-Y-Z.com. If you're a fan of death and black metal, check out Jason's band Gravehill on all social media platforms, as well as his doom metal project, Stygian Crown. Music was provided by Face X Hugger. Check out Face X Hugger on Bandcamp and Twitter for more synthwave horror-themed music. Questions, comments, and hate mail should be directed to our Twitter account at Cinematic Suffer. Thanks for listening.